seriously popular. Have you ever felt like escaping to your own desert island? Jane Gaskin did exactly that, trading in the family home to begin a new life in the tropics. But she soon discovers that paradise has its secrets. I'm Alice Levine, and this is The Price of Paradise, the island dream that ends in kidnap, corruption, and murder. Wish you were here? Follow The Price of Paradise now, wherever you listen to podcasts. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Lucy Letby is accused of the murder of... Seven babies and the attempted murder of ten others. While she was working on the neonatal unit at the Countess of Chester Hospital. Letby denies all of the charges over the incidents. Lucy Letby was the only person working on the night shift. It was alleged in court that their mother was apparently told by Miss Letby, trust me, I'm a nurse. This is a podcast about one of the most anticipated criminal trials for years. It involves the most shocking of allegations, the alleged murders and attempted murders of tiny, premature babies at the hands of a neonatal nurse whose very job it was to look after them. Lucy Letby is on trial at Manchester Crown Court, accused of killing seven infants and injuring ten more at the Countess of Chester Hospital in Cheshire. In total, there are 22 charges, all of which she denies. I'm Liz Hull, Northern Correspondent for the Mail, I will be in court to report on the case as it develops. And I'm Caroline Cheatham, a broadcast journalist. Every week on this podcast, we'll examine what's happened and bring you the details behind the headlines. This is the trial of Lucy Letby. The case against Lucy Letby is that she murdered or tried to kill 17 babies while she was working as a neonatal nurse at the Countess of Chester Hospital in the northwest of England. She denies the charges. The babies in this trial are not being named for legal reasons, and the identities of their families are also being protected. They're known only as babies A to Q. Seven of the babies died. Ten survived. Each one of these babies was or is someone's son or daughter and the mums, dads and families of every baby are present in court, listening to every detail of how their child was allegedly killed or harmed. We'll be bringing you that detail as the jury is hearing it from the prosecution and defence. We're getting behind the headlines to explain far more than the news reports you'll be reading, watching and listening to. And the importance of a fair trial is paramount, so we won't be getting into anything in this podcast that the jury have not been told, because they are the 12 people who have to decide the outcome of this case. The jury is hearing about each baby in turn. They've been told eight babies were allegedly killed or harmed by Lucy Letby between June and September 2015. Today we're focusing on the ninth baby in this case, who the prosecution say was murdered. Welcome to episode 14. 
Baby Eye. Baby Eye was a baby girl. She was very premature, having been born at 27 weeks, when her mother's waters broke 13 weeks early. Baby Eye's mother immediately went to the Countess after her waters broke, but she was later transferred to Liverpool Women's Hospital, which is more specialist at caring for very early babies, and her daughter was born naturally, a few days later at the beginning of August 2015. But she was tiny. She weighed just two pounds and two ounces. That's around the same size as a bag of sugar. And doctors warned her parents that she would be in hospital for a while. In a statement, her mother told the court what happened. Her words had been voiced by an actor. In around April 2015, I found out I was pregnant. All of my scans came back normal. I paid privately to have a 16-week scan. We were told we were having a girl. At no point during any of my scans were any concerns raised. My baby was developing as expected. I did not have any antenatal appointments as I breezed through my past pregnancies with no areas of concern. Then, five weeks after my last scan, my waters broke. I went to the Countess of Chester Hospital to the labour ward. Initially, they tried to tell me I could have just leaked, but I knew my waters had broken. It wasn't my first baby and I knew what it felt like when your waters break. They conducted some checks and confirmed my waters had gone. I was sent home with the agreement that I would go to the counters every two to three days to get my bloods checked. However, I only got to the first appointment. My levels appeared to have shot through the roof. The countess then transferred me in an ambulance to the Liverpool Women's Hospital. I was continually monitored. I had a further scan and I was informed there was some water left and that my baby was still safer in than out. Later the same day, my kids had come to visit and I was sat with them in the hospital canteen when my back started to ache. I was in labour. A midwife came and I was attached to a monitor. She informed me I wasn't in labour and then left. I told my husband, I don't care what the machine says, I'm having contractions, go and get her back. During this time, my contractions just stopped. I think out of fear because I was too scared to push. At some point they informed me my baby was getting distressed, so I pushed harder and she came out. So despite her size, baby I did well, and when she was around six weeks old, doctors at Liverpool Women's Hospital decided she could be transferred to the Countess to be closer to her parents' home. But it's the prosecution case, Liz, that once there, over the course of three weeks, Lucy Letby attacked her three times, finally succeeding in murdering her on the fourth attempt on October 23rd. That's right, Caroline. The jury's been told that in the run-up to her death, Lucy Letby sabotaged her care, either by overfeeding her milk or injecting air into her stomach or bloodstream. And Liz, the timing of this is significant because the prosecution say the attacks on baby I began around a week after Lucy Letby tried to kill baby G and just three days after she tried to murder baby H. Both babies were still on the unit undergoing treatment at that time. Yes, and in fact, Baby I's mother got to know Baby G's mother well, even comforting her when her daughter was ill on the ward. So Liz, let's walk through what the prosecution say happened to Baby I in the three weeks before she died. The jury's been told that the first alleged attack took place on September the 30th, when Lucy Letby was working a day shift and when she was Baby I's designated nurse. Lucy Letby was caring for her, along with two other babies, in Nursery 3. 
Yeah, Liz, the court heard that baby I's mother and father were dividing their time between the hospital, work and their other young children at home. Baby I's mum had a routine of going straight to the hospital after school drop-off. She'd spend the day with her daughter and when she went home at about four o'clock, her partner, baby I's father, would take over in the evenings after he'd finished work. So that afternoon, baby I's mum was preparing to leave the hospital, having been with her daughter all day. When, she told the court, Lucy Letby came into the nursery and said her daughter's tummy appeared to be swollen. And this, the jury heard, was to become a feature of this case, because baby I's tummy often appeared swollen or distended, mottled and veiny in the weeks before her death. Doctors thought a bowel condition was causing her tummy to blow up or her intestines to become blocked. In reality, the prosecution say it was because gas or air was being pumped into baby eye deliberately via her feeding tube. So on the afternoon of September the 30th, baby eye's mum agreed with Lucy Letby that her daughter's tummy did appear to be swollen, but didn't think too much of it, and she left the hospital as normal shortly after. The next thing she knew, she said she was being called back to the hospital because her daughter had collapsed and stopped breathing. Yes, Caroline, notes written by Lucy Letby were shown to the jury. They said that she gave baby eye milk via her nose tube at 4pm, but around half an hour later, she had a large vomit from her nose and mouth and stopped breathing. The doctor on duty was crash-called, and baby eye had to be resuscitated with full CPR for around four minutes. Her mother described what happened. I was just changing my daughter's nappy prior to leaving for the day, but a nurse called Lucy came on duty. It would have been around 3pm. Lucy came over and said she thought my daughter's stomach looked swollen, to which I agreed, but she appeared okay in herself. Lucy informed me she would keep an eye on her and call for a doctor to check her out. However, when I got home, I received a call around 4.30pm. My daughter was really bad again. I telephoned my husband and told him to get to the hospital. When I arrived, a nurse called Bernie was resuscitating her by conducting chest compressions in room one. Bernie informed me the swelling to our daughter's stomach had now gone down and she was doing better. She picked up within hours. I also remember baby G had gone poorly lots of times around this time as well. And I was trying to reassure her mother it would be okay. Baby I continued to be poorly for much of the shift. She was moved to the intensive care nursery, nursery one, and an x-ray was taken. The x-ray showed a large amount of air in her bowels, which was causing her tummy to swell and squash her lungs, making it difficult for her to breathe. So, according to the prosecution, that was the first attack, and Lucy Letby finished her shift and it wasn't long before she began messaging other off-duty colleagues. The conversation starts with Dr Alison Ventress, asking Lucy Letby how her day at work had been. Their messages have been voiced by actors. Her work wasn't too bad. Kiss. Yeah, it was okay. Baby eye in one, with distended abdo, looks a bit rubbish. Having a chill on sofa in my PJs now. Poor baby eye, not again. Sounds like well-deserved chill on sofa. I'm doing the same. Let's go and set up our own neonatal unit with all the other faces that don't fit who often seem to be the best ones. Let's do it. In New Zealand. Yeah, come to NZ with me. Sends back three emojis of a plane, a smiley face with sunglasses and a rainbow. Defo come to NZ then. I could use a friendly face. 
Haha, not brave enough to up and leave everything. Yeah, I'm scared of leaving everything, but more of leaving everyone, actually. That's good then. I couldn't leave my parents. They would be completely devastated. Find it hard enough being away from me now, and it's only 100 miles. Oh, where are they based? Hereford, I came here to uni and didn't go back. They hate it, and I feel very guilty for staying here sometimes, but it's what I want. Yes, I feel guilty for being so far away often, especially as my mum is ill. But I'm already five hours away, so what's an extra twenty? Families are tough, aren't they? Some more than others. So Liz's baby I recovered, and over the next two weeks she improved, and she was eventually moved out of the intensive care nursery into nursery two, which was the high dependency room. And she was considered so stable, there was even talk of her going home in the next couple of weeks. But the jury was told that never happened, because on the night shift of October the 12th, Lucy Letby allegedly attacked baby I for the second time. That's right, Caroline. Baby I's designated nurse that night was Ashley Hudson. Lucy Letby was responsible for another baby in Nursery One. And Nurse Hudson gave evidence that at around 3am on October the 13th, the following morning... She asked Lucy Letby and another nurse, Caroline Oakley, to keep an eye on baby I because she was nipping away to help another colleague. She told the jury the main light was off in nursery two and baby I's cot had a canopy over it, keeping her face in shadow. Despite this, Nurse Hudson said that when she returned to nursery two around 15 minutes later, Lucy Letby came to the doorway and suggested to her that baby I looked pale. Nurse Hudson said the alarm on her breathing monitor had not triggered and she became tearful as she relayed what happened next to the jury. Her words are read by an actor. I looked towards baby eye. I could see she was in the cot but I couldn't see the top half of her because she was obscured by the lighting and the canopy. So I turned around and switched the main light on the nursery. I pushed back the canopy and pulled back the blankets to have a proper look at her and assess her. That's when I recognised she was in quite a poor condition. She was incredibly pale in colour, almost white. She didn't respond to me. She was very still. She was floppy and she was making gasping, breathing movements a handful of times within a minute. My first thought and worry was that she had deteriorated so rapidly that it was too late. The change in her had been remarkable. And Liz, a reconstruction of the image of that cot inside Nursery 2 was shown to the court, so we'll be sharing that picture on our Twitter page. Ben Myers Casey, Lucy Letby's barrister, suggested to Nurse Hudson that she was perhaps mistaken about the lighting in the nursery and that the lights could have been dimmed rather than off altogether. But Nurse Hudson was adamant, describing the image as vivid and imprinted on my brain. So at 3.23am, Dr Matthew Neen came urgently to the neonatal unit and two minutes later, CPR began. At 31 minutes past three, baby I was given a dose of adrenaline to restart her heart and the consultant on call, Dr Elizabeth Newby, was telephoned to come in from home. Dr Newby arrived at 3.36 and gave baby I a second shot of adrenaline. She also put her back on the ventilator to help her breathe. Three minutes later, Baby Eye's parents were contacted by Nurse Hudson who told them to come to the hospital as soon as they could. A third dose of adrenaline was also given 
And finally, after more than 22 minutes of resuscitation, baby I's heart rate returned. She was moved back into nursery one, and because Nurse Hudson wasn't trained to care for babies in intensive care, Lucy Letby took over as her designated nurse. An x-ray taken soon afterwards showed air or gas inside her tummy again. This, the prosecution say, must have been put there by Lucy Letby when Nurse Hudson had nipped away momentarily from her bedside. Have you ever felt like escaping to your own desert island? Jane Gaskin did exactly that, trading in the family home to begin a new life in the tropics. But she soon discovers that paradise has its secrets. I'm Alice Levine, and this is The Price of Paradise, the island dream that ends in kidnap, corruption, and murder. Wish you were here? Follow The Price of Paradise now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following night, Lucy Letby was on duty again. And, it's alleged, she struck for a third time. Yes, Caroline, on this shift, Lucy Letby was allocated baby eye to look after. The only baby she had responsibility for during the shift. Dr Neem, the registrar, gave evidence that he examined baby eye at five minutes past ten that night. And despite everything she'd been through the night before, he considered her to be stable. Yes, but just a few hours later, things again took a turn for the worse for baby eye. Lucy Letby wrote in her medical notes that by 5am on the morning of October the 14th, baby eye's tummy was more distended and firmer, with an area of discoloration spreading on the right side. She also noted she had given her some antibiotics around the same time. But Dr Neem told the court that it wasn't until 6am that Lucy Letby called him back to see baby eye because she needed more oxygen to breathe. He too noted Baby Eye's tummy was distended and that she had unusual mottling on it. Baby Eye was also awake and grimaced when he touched her, the doctor said. Dr Neem ordered another urgent x-ray, which again showed a large amount of gas in her tummy. It was stopping her lungs from inflating properly, jurors were told. And less than an hour later, at around 7am, her heart rate plummeted. The levels of oxygen in her blood fell, and for the second time in less than 28 hours, doctors were crash-called to try to save her. This time it took them 13 minutes of chest compressions and three shots of adrenaline to save her. And it's the prosecution case, Liz, that once again, Lucy Letby was responsible because she allegedly injected air into baby eye's feeding tube, causing her to collapse. In her statement, her mother recounted to the court what happened. Our daughter could go from perfectly fine to nearly dying in seconds. There was no in between. She was continually being resuscitated. The hospital gave us a room to sleep in, but every time we left and started to fall asleep, we were woken up by banging on the door, telling us to come quickly. 
It wasn't once, it was several times, every single day. Our daughter seemed to deteriorate when we left her alone and predominantly at night. So by this point, Liz, doctors were really worried about baby I and on October the 15th, the decision was taken to transfer her out of the Countess for more specialised care at Arrow Park. And within just two days, she'd improved so much that she came back to Chester. So on October the 17th, she was back at the Countess and for the next five days, Lucy Letby was off work. During this time, baby I made such good progress, she was breathing for herself and was even well enough to be taken out of her cot for cuddles with her parents. Lucy Letby returned to work for a night shift on October the 22nd, and within hours the prosecution say she attacked again. And this time, Nick Johnson KC told the jury, she succeeded in murdering baby I. So Liz, we need to explain what happened on that night shift of October the 22nd into the early hours of October the 23rd. The jury was told that on this shift, Ashley Hudson was again Baby I's designated nurse, while Lucy Letby was looking after a different baby in Nursery 3. Just before midnight, Nurse Hudson said Baby I seemed very unsettled and was crying. She described the cry as loud and relentless, like she was distressed. Nurse Hudson said she shouted for help and Lucy Letby came in. They started giving baby I rescue breaths, but when she failed to respond, the doctors were crash bleeped to help. She was successfully resuscitated in just a few minutes and quickly recovered. Once again, an x-ray was taken which showed a large bubble of air in her tummy. By this time, baby I's parents had been telephoned to come into hospital from home. But before they arrived, at around six minutes past one, Nurse Hudson, who had left the room temporarily, was called back to her cot. Yes, she told the court she couldn't remember whether this time it was the sound of Baby I's monitor alarm or her crying that had alerted her. But when she went into Nursery One, she said Lucy Letby was already standing beside Baby I's incubator. She had her hands inside and was trying to settle her with a dummy. Nurse Hudson told the court that Baby I was crying the same loud, relentless cry as before. She said she told Lucy Letby she's going to do it again. It's the same cry. Nurse Hudson said Lucy Letby tried to tell her everything would be all right. She said she just needs to settle. But Nurse Hudson wasn't convinced. And when baby I's oxygen levels and heart rate started to drift, she ran to the theatre next door to get Dr Rachel Chang, the registrar on duty. Dr John Gibbs, the consultant on call, was also contacted. The doctors arrived soon afterwards, and at 12 minutes past one, CPR began. They spent almost an hour desperately trying to save Baby I's life. Over the next 58 minutes, Baby I received chest compressions and eight shots of adrenaline to try and stimulate her heart, but she failed to respond, and she could not be saved. One of the nurses, Mel Taylor, said she remembered not knowing what to say to the child's heartbroken parents as they watched staff try in vain to save their daughter. She said, I was shocked. I'd been looking at baby I in the monitor thinking, she's going to come out of it. So my heart just dropped. When he said stop, I was just devastated, especially when I looked at the parents. Baby I's mother also described what happened in her statement to the jury. 
At around half past midnight, I woke up having realised that I had slept through a phone call from the hospital. I didn't wait to listen to the message. I immediately phoned the ward. They said we needed to get to the hospital as soon as we could. We left home immediately, and when we arrived, we saw Dr Gibbs, Ashley and Lucy. They were working to try to resuscitate our daughter. I heard them all counting times. I asked Dr Gibbs how long had they been doing this, to which he said 20 minutes. I could see every time they were pumping her, her stats would go up, but when they stopped, she flatlined every time. I remember thinking they can't keep doing it. I said to Dr Gibbs, you can't do it anymore. My husband couldn't watch. When they stopped working on her, they passed her to me. She didn't die straight away. It was around 2am when she actually went. After baby I died, her mother told the jury that Lucy Letby offered to help bathe her daughter one last time. Lucy bought the bath in. She said she could come in and take some photos, which we could keep. While we were bathing here, Lucy came back in. She was smiling and kept going on about how she was present at the first bath and how our daughter had loved it. I wish she would just stop talking. Eventually she realised and stopped. It was not something we wanted to hear. And Liz, the following month, on the day of Baby Eye's funeral, Lucy Letby wrote a sympathy card for her parents. A picture of the card was found by police on her mobile phone when she was arrested. The card, which was addressed to Baby Eye's parents and family, was shown to the jury. Inside, she had written, There are no words to make this time any easier. It was a real privilege to care for Baby Eye and get to know you as a family. A family who always puts baby I first and did everything possible for her. She will always be part of your lives and we will never forget her. Thinking of you always, sorry I cannot be there to say goodbye. Lucy Letby herself admitted when interviewed by police that it was the only time she had sent a card to the parents of a deceased child. Yes, but she insisted it wasn't often nurses got to know a family as well as they'd got to know relatives of baby I during her stay. And a picture of the card was shown to the court, so we'll also be sharing that on our Twitter page. And the court was read statements from other nurses on duty who said they were shocked, devastated and heartbroken when baby I, who had been cared for at the hospital for more than a month, died. Nurse Christopher Booth said staff had got to know the child, who he described as a character and said they'd all become very fond of her. We had high hopes for her, he said. He even wrote to the ward manager to say how her death had affected the neonatal nurses, and that everyone had tried their hardest and done their best. If we weren't such a good team, we would have crumbled, because so many horrible things were going on, he added. And it's also worth pointing out, Caroline, that the jury heard from a trainee doctor called Lucy Beebe, who remembered seeing Lucy Letby upset at work. She told the court that she couldn't remember the exact date, but recalled Lucy Letby crying on the unit and saying to a colleague, it's always me. Dr Beebe said, I remember Lucy crying with another nurse, and it was very much of the gist of, it's always me when it happens, my babies, it's always happening to me a lot. Another nurse who we can't name for legal reasons also told the jury, that Lucy Letby did a lot of extra shifts around this time because the unit had massive staffing issues. She said Lucy was young, living in a doctor's halls of residence and saving to buy a house. She was single and was willing and wanting to do extras.
So, Liz, that's the case in relation to baby I, who the prosecution say was the fifth baby to be murdered in five months by Lucy Letby. She denies all the allegations, so what did her barrister, Mr Myers, have to say? He said that baby I was a very small, poorly baby who had episodes where she desaturated. That's when the levels of oxygen in her blood fell and her heart rate dropped in the first few weeks of her life. And he also pointed to medical notes that showed she struggled to put on weight in the three weeks before her death. Yes, Dr Elizabeth Newby, the consultant on duty when Baby I was allegedly attacked for the first time, admitted a failure to put on weight may indicate an underlying health problem in premature babies, like Baby I. But she also stressed that because of her episodes of poor health, doctors were unable to feed her milk, either because of her swollen tummy or because she was on a ventilator which could have explained why her weight gain was so poor. Mr Myers also suggested that the unusual mottling noted by several doctors and nurses could have been down to an infection, although this was rejected by those who had cared for her over that time. And Mr Myers has previously told the jury that it's the defence case that baby eyes collapses and death was due to a series of clinical problems, which may well have been inevitable given her extreme prematurity. So that's it for episode 11. Don't forget, you can find pictures of the reconstruction of Baby Eye's cot and of Lucy Letby's condolence card on our Twitter page. Next week, we'll bring you the evidence about the 10th alleged victim in the case, Baby J. She was a premature baby girl who Lucy Letby is accused of smothering and attempting to murder in November 2015. Baby J survived. Her mother is due to give evidence in person. And I'll be in court so I can bring you all the updates next week. See you then. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Our hit series, Everything I Know About Me, is back for a brand new season. And this time, our guest needs no introduction. Oh, gosh, you find me, Darren! But here's one anyway. Hi, I'm Gemma Collins, and this is everything I know about me. If you think you know all about Gemma Collins, think again, because this is the GC as you've never heard her before. It's been exhausting. Unashamed. And I was really heartbroken because I was pregnant and he was having an affair. Unfiltered. I have had an operation as well years ago. I have a designer vagina. Yeah, baby. I don't have camel toe. Unbelievable. And then they advised me, you need to have a termination. And, uh, yeah, I remember that being really stressful. Everything I Know About Me with Gemma Collins is out this Thursday wherever you get your podcasts.